Hello, welcome to the Rinzas Podcast with Benny Makachi. This podcast is dedicated to having candid conversations to leave the residues of taboo and risky topics around well-being, relationship, sex, dating, self-care, and the in-between for your clarity and entertainment. My name is Benny Makachi. I'm your host and the head rinser. My job is to create an enjoyable, safe sharing space to help you connect the dots and make discussing these topics a little more effortless. Join me weekly and don't forget to subscribe. Hello, welcome to this episode of the Rinses Podcast. I'm so excited to have you listening to me today. As always, I'm your host and the Rinser, Benny Makachi. Thanks again for joining. I'm super excited about this particular episode because I am a 20-something-year-old woman who goes through menstrual pain. It's a lot of different things for different women out there. And I just felt that we need to talk about menstruation, okay? One, because a lot of us weren't properly educated about menstruation. And for some of us, we don't even know how to navigate it yet, even after so many years. We don't know what products to use. We don't know what medications to take for our pains. And even when we finally feel like we've gotten that one thing that works, we don't know what the side effect could be or if we would be reacting to it in a bad way in the long run you know so a lot of factors like that and also the misconception from society that menstruation is dirty you know that when women are going through that we're dirty i like to say here even before this episode officially begins that there's nothing dirty about menstruation it's simply blood flowing it is absolutely natural So if you're a woman and you've been deceived into believing that you're dirty whenever you're on your period, I'm telling you now, unlearn that idea, unlearn that perception. It's not not helping you. It has never helped you and I don't think that it will help you. In this episode, we talk about menstruation, you know, the basic and simple but insightful overview of what menstruation is, how to navigate it, and that you're observing the best vaginal hygiene during your period. So sit tight because I'm talking to a lovely, lovely, impressive lady whom I admire a lot, Dr. Ayo. And um, I know that you guys will learn a lot. I'll just go ahead and jump right in. Hi, welcome to the Rinzers podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. It's so lovely to have you, Dr. Ayo. I'm so excited to have this chat with you and I look forward to what we would learn. Not just me, but the listeners as well. Yeah, I hope I'll be able to impact some knowledge. Amazing. I trust you. I have no doubts whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. Um, so before we jump right into the show, there is something that I usually do just so that the audience can have a kind of personal sense of who you are, you know, mm-hmm. as a person beyond just the guest or the doctor who's coming to teach them about menstruation and all of that. So I know you recently graduated from St. George's University. Um, so do you mind just, you know, throwing light into it, the school, you know, all of that? Um, well, I started my medical journey, I would say, probably... 10 years ago, had the passion of going into medicine and eventually, you know, getting enough knowledge and helping people that need it. Mm -hmm. So um, four years ago, um, I had the opportunity of going to medical school at St. George's University, Grenada. Okay. And um, it was a very, very um, worthy and enjoyable experience, definitely has ups and downs, but in in all, it was worth it. And um, um, during my medical training Mm -hmm. or education, I developed an interest in preventive medicine. Okay. Preventive medicine basically entails, you know, um, before the disease happens, you identify people at risk and put them in place to ensure that they don't develop that disease in the future, or even if they have that you put 
measures in place to reduce the complications of those diseases. So that's kind of what I'm into. And to be more specific, because it's very broad, but to be more specific, um, preventive health in women's health. Going through that line has kind of led me to my future path, which Mm -hmm. is um, obstetrics and gynecology. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's amazing. It's amazing to hear because I don't know about other places, but it seems like in Nigeria, it's it's kind of a big deal to get through to a gynecologist, you know. And this is a doctor or a particular field in medicine that is so important. So I, I'd like to throw the question to you. Is moving into that aspect or that side of medicine difficult? Because I want to, you know, kind of understand why we don't have them that much to our access here in Nigeria. Well, you know, it's a it's good you asked that question because I asked myself that question um, mm-hmm. before medical school. I never knew anything specifically about obstetrics and gynecology. The only mm-hmm. thing was that they help give birth to um, babies, and um, that was it. Like I didn't really understand like the the nitty gritty about it. And after mm-hmm. a while, I realized you know obstetrics and gynecology is, is actually a primary healthcare field, meaning that okay. something basic that everyone should have access to like you should not exactly go you should not need to go to the general practitioner to get a referral mm-hmm. to an OBGYN you should be mm-hmm. walking freely into an OBGYN's office and and request for care and okay that's kind of kind of one of the things that led me into choosing obstetrics and gynecology because I couldn't for the life of me understand why I've never seen one and even though I've had issues that, you know, in the past that I felt like should have been handled by one, but I mm-hmm. had the access to. And that's why I that's why I want to go into that field so that, you know, I can give that service to people who believe that they can get it. OK, that's that's really interesting to hear. And I hope that more women out there, if you're listening to this and you are interested in medicine, no pressure, please do us a favor, head down that route. OK, <laughs> and just add, men and can be our route. We need we need all of them. You know, yes, yes. There. That's so true. We do. <laughs> but I'm going to I'm going to tell you the reason why I'm particularly pushing women okay i want men and women to go in there so men if you're listening to this i need you to pay attention as well i feel like every time that i go to the hospital or to the clinic to get a kind of test now i'm talking about the vaginal area kind of test okay like cultures and the rest of them which you know better than i do when i go for such tests and um, the doctor that i'm assigned to is a man I actually tend to feel comfortable with whatever doctor I'm assigned to, male, female, whatever. But I've noticed that women tend to pay more attention, okay? They tend to pay more attention um, for something like, um, you know, yeast infections, which are very common with us women. You find out that when you talk to them and you're like, um, okay, so this this has been the situation it feels like they're more interested in the history and the background of that you know to get like more insight on how they can solve your problem how they can cure that thing once and for all you know as opposed to okay let me just issue the normal or the general medication for this without paying much attention now i don't know if if that is unique to me you know, because now I'm talking about my experience. I don't know what it is for someone else out there. But I do feel like when it comes to areas like that, women pay more attention. So if you're a man and you're listening to me and you're a doctor and somewhere in your practice, you have a female patient, try and pay attention to them, to the history of whatever it is that they've tested for or been diagnosed with you know, so that you get like a better understanding and they'll feel more comfortable with you knowing that at the end of the day, they're going to get, um, you know, good treatment or cure for whatever it is that they're there for. Yeah. And yeah, it's good you bring that up. Uh, mm-hmm. In my experience, it goes both ways, regardless mm-hmm. of gender. Um, it okay. depends on the doctor's personality. But yes, it's definitely something that you know, doctors going into this field, which is a sensitive one. 
mm-hmm. um, should put at the back of their mind and not easily dismiss what mm-hmm. um, complaints the the patient has. Um, yes, yeah. it's easy for a, for a f- um, female doctor to say, "Oh, but you know, this is something that every woman goes through. Like you are not unique," and yeah, and dismiss it. So it goes both ways. In, you know, mm-hmm. you know, but yes, definitely, we should we should learn to pay more attention and give credit to um, the patient because they know their body best. Exactly, exactly. They do know their body best. Yes, you're the professional, but this body is on me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, it is. I'm so glad we cleared that up. Um, at, before we, you know, break down what it means, what menstruation or the menstrual cycle even means, you know, because there are some women out there or young girls who are new to these things or perhaps been experiencing this for a very long time, but do not have a good understanding about what it is, you know, what is menstruation, what is menstrual cycle, what is PMS, what is period pain, what is endometriosis, you know, just to give in a simple but a very in-depth definition, you know, so that whoever is going to be experiencing this thing soon or experiencing it will have a better understanding of what all of this okay, are. Um, well, I'll try my best mm-hmm. to put it in layman's terms. But basically, let's start off with uh, menstruation. So menstruation itself means to shed. So to shed um, a lining. So Mm -hmm. it's called the uterine cavity or in layman's term, the womb. I think the the main general idea is that womb is where the baby grows. But it does more than that. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the womb itself, that cavity, that let me call it container. It has a line. Mm-hmm. So think of it as you you, mm-hmm. you you place a wrap over something. So think of that lining as that. Mm-hmm. A wrap inside that cavity. Okay. And over time, it grows. Like a cell, mm-hmm. it will grow to multiply. It, it will, um, it, and over time, if it gets to a particular length and the, the natural hormones in the body can sustain it, it will shed. So that's why, that's mm-hmm. why I say menstruation okay. is shedding. So when it sheds, you have to okay. take into consideration that that womb, the uterine, um, the uterus is a very, um, um, let me put it as a bloody area. So in in a woman, okay. a lot of the blood is con- kind of concentrated in the in in the uterus or the womb. That's because mm-hmm. for a, for a child to grow, it needs that s- support. So what happens is that as okay. the as the as that lining sheds, the blood vessels that mm-hmm. go around that that go around the womb also get shed as well. So they that's why you see mm-hmm. blood when you menstruate. I think that's the most okay. even I can yeah. put it. Um, then yeah. let's talk about the menstrual cycle. The menstrual cycle itself is a sort of um, mm-hmm. so let's put it, let's let's start off this way. A cycle is something that repeats itself, right? And for something to repeat itself, yeah. it will have to go through a certain amount of time. So that that mm-hmm. time in 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 medicine we call it a biological clock. So you we all men mm-hmm. and women we have biological clocks but specifically the menstrual cycle is a clock that prepares a woman's body to carry a child so what happens okay. is that every woman even from the early stages like being a child being being a baby we are all born with mm-hmm. um a certain amount of eggs that have the oh. potential to become babies if fertilized Interesting. I never yeah, knew this. So, yeah. <laughs> I know this, but yes, we have okay. that. And what happens is that in puberty, meaning when you get into your adolescent mm-hmm. years, you those yeah. eggs start mm-hmm. to get released. And when they okay. for them to be released, you need to have the appropriate amount of hormones. So when I say hormones, I mean estrogen, progesterone. 
it needs to be in in, in a good balance and also testosterone let's not forget that because every uh, there's this misconception uh, misconception that uh, women have just estrogen men have testosterone yeah it's not we both have it and mm-hmm. uh, we need both of them we need the estrogen and testosterone to to function so for an adolescent mm-hmm. girl she needs that um, balance between um, progesterone, estrogen, testosterone to initiate her menstrual cycle. And it takes time to okay. build up that level of hormones in the body. That's why we all have different cycles. You will hear a woman saying, oh, it takes me, I, I see my, my menstrual, I see my period every 21 days, every um, every." 30 days, every 35 days, every 40 days. It's because it takes mm-hmm. time and it's unique to to each person. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, you know, like when some women see their, their period for like three days and other people see for five, others will see for seven, does the hormone has a part to play yes, in that does. as well? It, or? It's, it, it's one of the key things because your hormones dictate how long because so for that, like I said, you know, when I was um, describing the, the menstruation itself, I said the lining grows. And for the mm-hmm. lining to grow, it needs the help of those hormones, especially estrogen. Okay. So depending on the mm-hmm. amount of estrogen in a woman's body, it will determine how much the, the, that lining will grow. And how, but when the lining mm-hmm. grows, it also dictates how long it will shed. Just think about it. If you have something, if you have more, it will take a longer time for it to flow. Like if you have more water pouring out of a, of a, a um, of a container, it would take a long time for it to to finish. As opposed, to it was smaller mm-hmm. in that same yeah. container. So that same way, um, yeah. it it kind of determines how long your periods last. Now it feels like I'm getting to ask you lots of questions within yeah. the <laughs> same question, but I really can't help. It's really broad, but I, yeah. I believe for everyone's understanding, it's good to know that your menstrual cycle is mainly initiated by the hormones in your body. And that's the time mm. when you start having your period, when you your fertile window is, is there, you know, those things everything Mm -hmm. is timed okay so and now i see that our menstruation plays like a huge role so when you think about contraception you think about menstruation when you think about fertility you think about menstruation you know so it's it's like it it intersects a lot of things and it's like hmm this has the ability to make a lot of things go wrong all right i don't know if that's comforting or scary (laughs) yeah (laughs) Okay. Okay. Thanks. Thanks for, you know, going deep down there for us to understand in the most simple way. I really hope that, yeah, I really hope that you listeners are learning just as much as I am. And um, part of the reason why I wanted to discuss um, menstruation and all of this, you know, outside of the pain, the cramping and all of that, mood swings and different symptoms that we, we face when we go through our menstrual pain. I'm trying to also shed light or to sensitize people about the whole period thing. Because when you think about culture, when you think about beliefs, then you know that in some setting um, people or culture or country or religion or whatever sees the whole thing as very dirty you know, they they feel like, oh, menstruation, okay, that's a dirty thing. You shouldn't come in here. You shouldn't be allowed to touch this or to do that, you know. So the, the, it increases or I guess even more severe depending on the location or whoever is experiencing all of that kind of bias or societal, um, what do I call it now? You know, so I want to kind of shed light on all of this so that people see that it's a natural occurrence. There's nothing dirty about it. It's just blood, you know, and I think we're bleeding just as much as everybody else does, you know, at some point, maybe because you get caught or whatever it is. So if you're listening to this, it's, it's just blood. Yes. Really. Yes. And I, I agree. Um, uh, there's a lot of um, misconception about um, menstruation and, 
and a woman's current worth at that point in time or like her mm-hmm. like what perception we have of her at that point in time and um yeah it's good, mm-hmm. it's good for everyone to know that it's normal to have like i said from the time you were a baby you were predetermined to have a menstrual period so every it's every woman mm-hmm. and it's necessary because most women I'm, I'm not saying all it's not it's, it's not compulsory every mm-hmm. woman has a child if she chooses so yeah it's there because of that reason to to procreate to mm-hmm. um you know ensure that the human line goes on and it's not just let's let's put it in in perspective it's not just humans that go through the cycle animals through go through it if mm-hmm. you've ever a dog a, f- a female mm-hmm. dog in it in uh, menstruating you would know you would see them lick uh, lick off the blood as well so it's not just, it's not just um, oh, wow. women that have periods um other f- um, female animals have periods to procreate and that's mm. the reason for it so it's not meant to be dirty it's not meant, it's meant to be a natural occurrence so sure that you know she can mm-hmm. procreate yeah thank you so much for shedding light on that you know as much as we're here to learn and to teach i also want us to you know mm-hmm. get personal with these things like i said some people perceive period as being dirty but all of that has never at least in my own experience translated to someone telling you don't come to work because you're on your period you know what go home take the day off I know you're cramping real bad. You know, it feels like we're expected to show up, you know, and put our pain, just mask our pain with this huge smile and go on about our days like we're not in pain. And when I say pain, I mean real pain. Okay, so now that we're talking about sensitivity, like what what's your experience with that? Have you worked in a place where or school where you're allowed to you know just say look i'm going through pms today and i really cannot deal with whatever it is like what what has been your experience when it comes to work and school as regards pmsing i don't know if you experience period Um, pain do you personally i do not experience pms meaning premenstrual syndrome but from time to time Mm -hmm. um i i do experience period pain my my menstrual um, history is kind of interesting, and that's why I said, like, I was really surprised. I'd mm-hmm. never heard of a of a gynecologist before, but uh, yes, I've never mm-hmm. uh, like I've experienced period pain, but it's not um, consistent. Like one cycle, I will; the next, I won't. So it's kind of like all over the place. Um, but um, for me personally, okay. I I've kind of like come up with a solution to ensure that I'm not missing out on, on things that I, I need to do. So if I know, if I know I'm going to, if, okay. if I start feeling the pain and like it, once you study your body, you realize that there's a pattern to it. Um, f- so for me, okay. like the first, not even the first day, like um, a week or so before my period is going to start, I'm going to, like, I start feeling some subtle, I start experiencing subtle signs. So I start yeah, like, like mm-hmm. a little bit of mm-hmm. lower back pain. Um, yes. Yeah, I think we all get that. Lower back <laughs> pain. I feel like I need to urinate more. I get somewhat constipated. Those are examples. So I, I, start, to, I start to feel that. And mm-hmm. so the first day it's, go, it's going to okay. happen. I, um, or the, fir- the, the day it starts, I... I start I start feeling like the pain like not not necessarily like full blown like oh I'm gonna die kind of pain but like just little cramps mm-hmm. and I know okay if I know I have to do okay. something I I either I take medication I'll take um, NSAIDs so NSAIDs are like things like ibuprofen mm-hmm. um, some people. Um, paracetamol is not an NSAID but is also a painkiller and people take that as well. So I'll take either of those. 
to ensure that the the pain mm-hmm. I catch the pain before it gets full blown onset. So meaning yeah. uh, a non steroidal anti inflammatory drug, ibuprofen is is one. Um, so mm-hmm. for so people can either can mm-hmm. take either or they can even alternate it to to um, prevent the pain. And the best time to take it is mm-hmm. when you notice that little cramp, not when it's like full blown that you can't even move because the thing about pain is that it's once it's established it's uh, it lingers regardless of what treatment mm-hmm. you put you you put in place. so it's better to have it um mm-hmm. before it gets to the point you can't tolerate it anymore so that that's acting so even when it's meant to be bad mm-hmm. you still feel relatively comfortable yeah, it will be manageable. Talk about preventive care. That's interesting. Now that we even talk about ibuprofen, I'm so happy you mentioned it because um one of the one of the young women who sent in her letter talked about using that for a while mm-hmm. and after that she did experience some form of ulcer. You know, personally I use felvin because that's what works for me whenever I experience this pain. And like you said, once the pain sets in, it's still going to take, you know, a couple of hours before the pain settles down. So what are the side effects of these drugs? Like, should we even be taking them in the first place? Are there more um, natural or healthy alternatives that are just as effective Um, as these drugs? Unfortunately, I can't talk about like, you know, I can't really expand on home remedies or you know except medications so the thing about the thing the, the thing mm-hmm. about NSAIDs is that they are mm-hmm. so when you the pain itself is caused by some little chemicals that are released when those when the um th- that lining is shed so what those and what NSAIDs do is that they um okay they kind of counteract those little chemicals that are released to prevent pain. So when it comes to like alternative remedies, it's kind of Mm -hmm. hard to kind of say, Oh, use this and don't use this because there is no, there's no extensive research to say that this, yeah, that particular remedy has the necessary chemicals that will counteract the, the the chemicals released from the shedding. Mm -hmm. But in my in my experience, I have okay, and not just mine, but a lot of other women have said, you know, putting heating pads on the the area where you feel the pain the most helps. It's in my in my opinion, that's kind of like a placebo because it kind of it it takes your mind away from the pain itself, and you're about the heat that is being applied. So it kind of like mm-hmm. soothes it in that way. Not necessarily that it has a direct effect on on removing the the, chem- the those little chemicals that that cause the pain. Okay, so now that you say that, it's quite interesting because I'm, you know, team mm. hot water bottle when it comes to my menstrual pain, and I kind of feel like after using that for like. 10, 15, 20 minutes, mm-hmm. it feels like I have a, you know, heavier flow. So it feels like, you know how we have blood clot. It feels like um, when I do that, it kind of melts it away, you know, and just let everything go right down there because this is not even something that I've noticed okay. once. It's something that I've noticed over time. Because when you, when you have your hot water bottle mm-hmm. on, are you walking? Round? Are you lying down? What are you doing? Mm-hmm. Okay, so that 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 kind of answers the question. Mostly as to lying why down. There's a there's a perceived mm-hmm. effect of more flow because the thing is when you when you lie down, the flow reduces. So let's say when mm-hmm. you're standing up, you're moving around. Let's let's use the let's let's use the analogy of a cup. Let's use that to kind of explain how your uterus mm-hmm. sits in your body. When when the cup is if the cup is full of water mm-hmm. and then you turn it upside down, what happens? It flows, right? Yeah. When you when you when you lay it on the side, mm-hmm. what happens? 
the flow kind of not as fast, right? So that's kind of how, yeah. That, that's kind of how it is. Mm-hmm. Yes, it does. So when you're laying down, you have the hot water bottle on there. Like yes, okay. You, like you feel like oh, you know, it's um, mm-hmm. it will it what what's happening there is that it's collecting in the uterus it's not it's not flowing at a fast rate as opposed to when you're standing that's why notice that when you stand from like when you wake up Mm -hmm. in the morning like you might not have a lot of you know blood in the pad but the moment you stand it just comes out gushing so that's kind of how it works too with the with the heating pad when you when you have the heating pad on you're most likely lying down and then you stand up and what happens is that you have a gush of mm-hmm. blood or you it it flows more but it's not necessarily because the 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 heating pad is actually mm-hmm. like making it flow more it's just that when most times when people have heating pads on they are lying down and then when they stand up it flows more because at some point you have to move or even okay. just position even if you're not going mm-hmm. to a standing yeah, position just changing position can't Kind of affect the angle at which your uterus is yeah. and affects the flow of it as well. It's nothing that has been proven, but that's my okay. own educated okay. guess as okay. to why it might be perceived as like, oh, heating pads, you know, cause the flow more. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now that we talk about that, I'm, it still brings me back to the question, what are the side effects and, yeah, of the these painkillers? Or sorry, <laughs> what did you call them? <laughs> <laughs> yes, because... <laughs> so sorry yes, my so non-medical self so that's uh, quite funny mm-hmm. so so let me put it plainly then if you need any clarification just let me know then i'll try to differentiate so that I'm, I'm not like spitting out facts that are not needed okay uh, so NSAIDs work in a way that they okay they kind of reduce inflammation and by by counteracting those mm-hmm. chemicals that i said that are released the problem that those chemicals are not only released in, yes. in the uterus when you have your menstrual cycle. They are also released in different areas of the body, especially the, the digestive system. So mm-hmm. your stomach, your intestine, they are released everywhere. They are released everywhere. So what happens is that those okay. the NSAIDs counteract the beneficial effects mm-hmm. of those chemicals in those areas. So take, for instance, the stomach. Those chemicals ensure that the the... Because you're, you're, you know your stomach is acidic, right? You, there's a lot of acid in the stomach. What those chemicals do is that they, they try yes. to prevent the acid from destroying the lining of the stomach. Like I said, every, every part of your body has mm-hmm. a lining. Not every, but most parts of the body, every part that, is, that has a cavity has a lining. So in the, in the same way in the stomach, there's a lining there that helps to okay. f- prevent the acid from, you know, destroying the stomach completely. Because if you think about how acids work, they if someone's um, skin comes in contact with acid, you see that it, it causes a huge wound. That's the same way it does in the, in the stomach. If the acid comes in yeah. contact directly with the stomach, it will cause okay. a wound. So th- that those chemicals that are released try to ca- kind of put them... Um, um, protect that lining from being so that the acid doesn't go in and you know cause more okay. damage so with NSAIDs when you take NSAIDs they, they counteract those okay. chemicals in in the stomach and it causes the acid to create a wound in the stomach that's why people have ulcers and they vomit blood because remember every part of your body is is has blood vessels and they would if they get injured that's why people sometimes vomit okay. blood when when the ulcer is too bad. Or some people, when they eat, like if, if they don't eat immediately, they start to have like stomach pain because when you don't eat, the acid like builds up. And if you already have an ulcer there, it causes the pain to be even worse. So having stomach ulcer okay. is one of the side effects of taking NSAIDs. And there are others as well. There side effects. Um, but that's the that's the most common one. Um, can you quickly shed a, <laughs> shed a light oh. on the other ones, just in case? So I'll use the kidneys because the kidneys is also an important um, organ that you know we should all be mindful of when we take NSAIDs. Like I said, those chemicals are also present in the kidneys, and they mm-hmm. what they do in the kidneys is that they ensure that um, see your kidney as a filtering system, and if you block it with diff- if you if you block that filtering mm-hmm. system, you can't filter anything. 
the same way in the kidneys you have um, yeah you have those kind of like it's it has that filtering system there and what those chemicals do is that they ensure that the filtering system is open mm-hmm. enough so that your body can filter out the waste um so when you take NSAIDs they kind of okay. block that opening effect of the filtering system and it causes kidney problems over the la- over over time that mm. you know people start you know having kidney failure they can't use urine and it's it all stems from mm-hmm. you know, taking NSAIDs for a long time mm-hmm. okay so now that we know about that but at the same time, we can't just, you know, endure these pains. Mm-hmm. We still need to take ANSETs and the rest of those. Are there any recommendations that you have as to what to practice while or if you take these things? You know, say, for instance, with ulcer, they will say eat, you know, don't get hungry and all of that. So is, is there anything along that line that you would recommend to just make sure what will help us yeah, stay so away like from said, some of this avoidable side effects. The pain before it gets bad. Because if you catch the pain before it gets bad, you won't, the likelihood that mm-hmm. you will take more NSAIDs than you will need is reduced. Take, if you realize, you know, you're already seeing some signs, you're seeing some symptoms of it getting bad, take the NSAID immediately. Obviously, eat, take the NSAID, then... Mm-hmm. Try to the another thing um, I would say is try to space space it. So if you take, they usually say you know they usually recommend like every four hours that you you take the you take the medication to kind mm-hmm. of to kind of like allow the 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 medication to pass through your system mm-hmm. before you taking another one that would kind of augment it. Another, okay try to do is they try to tell you to alternate between remember when i said paracetamol isn't an NSAID? yeah paracetamol does not have that same effect as mm-hmm. NSAIDs do in causing stomach ulcers and kidney failure they mm-hmm. don't they don't have that but they also have their own side effects but in in terms of the stomach ulcers they don't so okay. you kind of alternate so let's say um you you realize the pain is 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 bad take mm-hmm. the then you can the next time if you realize oh you know it's coming back take paracetamol the same so you alternate okay. like that and said paracetamol and said paracetamol okay. um, um the other thing you can do is the like i said you can do placebo is not a bad thing in its in itself having a placebo effect is not a bad thing so okay. if you feel like there's something that helps you because Pain itself can be pain lingers, so it's not that it's necessarily like oh. So people say it's all in your head. It's not. It's it's passion when you say that because definitely not all in my head. Not the kind of pain we feel. Yes, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> it's it's partially true because what what pain what the pain receptors do is that even after the offending, like after um, the insult is removed, mm-hmm. it was the the. I'll call it the pain receptors. They are very sensitive. So they keep mm-hmm. on acting up. Let me put it that way. They keep on acting up even after the insult mm-hmm. has been removed. Let's use, for, for instance, someone cuts themselves with a knife. Mm-hmm. The knife is no longer there, right? But they still feel pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, and that's because those pain receptors in that area are acting up and sending that information back to the brain. To say, oh, okay. you know, there's pain here, there's pain here. So that's kind of how it is in this, in in with the placebo effect as well. Like if if you can kind of tell your brain that the pain is no longer or the the insult is no longer there, it kind of like requires okay. you to to not necessarily pay attention to the pain anymore. So when okay. when you use something like a hot water bottle and you know that it helps to you know soothe you. Keep mm-hmm. using because it's in itself it's okay. Because then if you're using mm-hmm. those if you're using those things that are not necessarily like directly harmful, but it also mm-hmm. give you pain relief, it's, it's mm-hmm. it reduces the amount of time you take the NSAIDs. Okay. Um more questions. So the first question that I'd like to ask is 
women use all sorts of um, sanitary wares. Okay, some use their pads, some use their tampons, some use their cups and all of that. And some people will tell you, oh, period is meant to flow. So I don't like using tampons and all of that. However, what is common amongst whatever type of sanitary wear that you decide to use is it's being made or created with ingredients, different ingredients that we, you know, lame heads do not know anything about. So are there ingredients in these sanitary wares that we should pay attention to or look out for? You know, some that can be harmful to our health or maybe beneficial to our health out there as well. So are there things that we should look out for when we're picking up a pad or um, a tampon or whatever it is? To be honest, I haven't specifically like, you know, done an extensive research into like what specific ingredients you should, you should avoid sanitary wares. But mm-hmm. one thing I will say mm-hmm. is that whatever type of sanitary wear you decide to use, it should be one that has the least chemicals in them. And when you read the the package and you it, it okay. will tell you you know what that what that sanitary wear was made up made out of what is in there, um, and I mean it's the good thing is that most okay. most sanitary wares tend to like be chemical they they advertise mm-hmm. it being chemical free so that's that is good because the thing about okay. the vaginal area and the vaginal environment is that you you don't want to disrupt the the natural environment yes you don't want to disrupt the ph, pH? you don't want to disrupt the mm-hmm. the natural um microorganisms that exist there and these chemicals tend to do that okay so, um i can't say specifically mm-hmm. which one but if if there if that chemical doesn't exist in your vaginal area it shouldn't be going in there and that's why they've They've kind of recommended that people limit the use of those um, vaginal wash, those vaginal wash, because they, they have chemicals yes, that are not yes. meant to be in mm-hmm. the vagina, and they they alter the micro the microorganisms there, and also the pH. So that's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Whenever you decide to use any sanitary um, wear, like make sure like you are not disrupting the the micro um, mm-hmm. the micro environment. Okay. All right. That's good. That's good. Um, and then I would like to ask you, is there anything, you know, what anything that you can recommend for, you know, overall better menstruation or vaginal hygiene? You know, so are there products that you would recommend? Are there apps? Are there diets that we should be paying attention to to just make sure that when is that time we're not only healthy, we're clean, and we're um, in tip-top shape. It's, I mean, it's interesting you ask that because, I mean, people have different opinions, but this mm-hmm. is my opinion when it comes to vaginal hygiene during menstruation. Your body is the best product mm-hmm. that you will ever have, meaning you do not need any okay. added effect from any product to give the vaginal health you need. The body mm-hmm. self cleans and the same thing in the vaginal area itself cleans. When you are shedding, it's not only it's not mm-hmm. only removing blood or removing that lining. It's also cleaning mm-hmm. the, the vaginal area, the, the 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 that that cavity, the the uterine cavity, it's also cleaning it. So to be honest, you don't need anything special. You just mm-hmm. need to ensure that, you know, you change your pad as often or you, you change your pad or your tampon as often as you can to prevent. Because the thing is, if you, like I said, mm-hmm. it's meant to be cleaning itself. And the only way to do that is if it's flowing out, you know. The the tricky thing with tampons and cups is that they tend to allow things stay in that, in, like instead of flowing, they tend to allow mm-hmm. it to stay. I'm not saying that bad. What I'm saying is you have yeah. to be cognizant of the fact mm-hmm. that you don't want to leave it in for too long because that can, that's why they, they, they recommend not to have tampons in for more than, I think, I believe it's eight to nine hours because it's, it will keep bacteria mm-hmm. that is meant to be clear, flowing out. It's there and cause infection. So mm-hmm. that's the, and it's an important mm-hmm. thing to note. Like if you tampons, never leave it in for too long. There have been horror yeah. stories about 
people that have left tampons in for too long and then they've lost limbs literally because of it. So it's it's important that wow. you change it as okay. often as you can. And even with pads, yes, you are not you are letting things flow, but you don't want to let it you don't want to wear it for too long because what happens is it's a moist environment. Exactly. To irritate the it skin, to to irritate cause, like, the fungus skin. to start yeah. growing. So you want to just and in my opinion, the best thing to use is water. Because water is the only thing that is not going to change the composition of the of your vaginal env- environment. Just wash it off. Use water to 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 wash okay. it off. Wash that area properly. You don't need you don't even need soap. Just use water. The thing with soap is that it's basic in itself, mm-hmm. and your vaginal area is not basic. Your vaginal area is acidic. So you don't. You, whenever you mm-hmm. use soap, okay. you change the the pH of your vaginal area so just use wash it off wash whatever no mm. let it flow and wash it off that's the okay. best thing i can recommend all right thank you so much that was so insightful look at me saying mm, that <laughs> i know like, oh my god i had no idea this was <laughs> this was the best thing to do and all of that that's why it's it's always advisable mm. you know when it comes to this exactly. things like this to talk to a professional, talk to a pro, you know, because your friend might know, but people are different and they might, they, they will never know whatever it is that concerns your vaginal health like a professional would. So I'm so grateful that you decided to bless us with your presence and knowledge I'm, today, I'm really happy Dr. Ayer. That and that's my aim. My, my aim is to ensure that, you know, women out there know what's, what, what they need to know and how to protect themselves. Um, because imagine if we had, if we, mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily saying that, you know, everyone, you have to go see Patrick, like uh, a gynecologist, but your, your family doctor can tell you this because mm-hmm. we're also trained to know this. Like we all go through the same um, level of education initially. And this is what is taught to us. So your, your general doctor, your the okay. general practitioner can know these things and tell you and and educate teen adolescents and teenagers about these issues if that they have because i think the the main thing is that a lot of okay. for women we learn the most that we know about you know our health from our mothers or other women in our lives which isn't bad but we also yes. need that education mm-hmm. from people that have you know studied it and it can also happen yeah, in schools, like to you do know, that. Yes. when they teach about reproductive health in, in in secondary schools. Like this is something they should also incorporate, so that you know, mm-hmm. so that kids, exactly. um, teenage girls, they know these things and they are able to kind of have an informed decision about what they want to do. Early on, yes, mm-hmm. I totally agree. Because now I'm looking back to sex education and reproductive system and how all that worked in secondary school and I'm shaking yeah. my head because it was so vague and it confused mm. me even more than it helped me so I'm really so happy I'm going to leave your details in the show notes can can our listeners you know follow you on Instagram and get to ask questions maybe from this episode if they have a question Definitely. or two I, would I you be receptive to that I'll be happy to answer whatever questions um they may have because i think this is important as doctors we're not just there to give you medicine and your way we're also there to educate you so please mm-hmm. feel free message me with whatever questions you might have well, however dumb you, you think it might be there are no dumb questions there are only questions and questions require answers and i would be happy to give whatever answers i have awesome you guys had that as for me i'm jumping into her dm immediately i finish this episode however <laughs> thank you so so much for joining me it's been a great pleasure having you on the show i hope to have yeah, you definitely. sometime again on the show back and talk to all of you all right thank you thank so you. much Hi, um, I hope that you guys enjoyed that chat as much as I did. Um, One thing that I very much picked from talking to Dr. Ayo is how open a lot of doctors outside of Nigeria are more receptive to questions, you know, because I feel like as a patient is your right to ask questions as regards your health and things that are prescribed to you, you know, drugs, your test result, your diagnosis, it's your absolute right 
to ask questions and be better educated on them. Okay, so do not go to the hospital and feel like or talk to a medical practitioner the perception that you don't have any right to ask questions or that the doctor would get offended if you ask questions. That's what they're trained to do, okay? Um, I personally have had experiences where I had to shrug it out with doctors because they felt like, why am I asking too many questions? I've already told you what is wrong. Why are you then asking me? You know, but I need to know what's going on with me because you never know if, if there's something like that happens again, you know, because some things are, some diseases are recurrent. Some Ill, illnesses are recurrent. Some symptoms are recurrent. If you don't have an in-depth understanding of what those symptoms are, you can't explain it to the next doctor that you meet when you go to treat, you know, the next one. So it's so important that people get to understand and treat the hospital or... And so when it comes to your health, the parting note that I want to leave today is take it serious, guys. Take your health serious because nobody knows your body like you do. Nobody knows your body like you do. And nobody should be more interested in knowing the nuances of your body than you. I hope that you guys have learned just as much or even more than I have learned. And I'm super duper grateful to Dr. Aya for recording this episode with me and giving me so much, so much. Um, so go on ladies, go and have your menstruation, try what she says and let me know how it goes, okay? Um, very soon I'm going to have another episode on menstruation as well, but it would be a very different angle. So let's, let's talk about our health, ladies. Let's talk about our vaginas because we need them to thrive. Okay, so go out there and have a healthy, thriving vagina. Thank you so much for joining. I hope to hear from you. Don't forget how much I love reviews. Come back here next week and I'll have an even better episode for you. Thank you so much. Bye.